and welcome to Beefsticks Bound for Gory! October 31st is coming up even faster than ever, folks, and Beefsticks Podcast is getting bloody as hell. We're getting gory and we are not talking about the Guerrero Patriarch. Why not? I could talk about the Guerrero family. I spent a fair amount of today talking about the Guerrero family. And it was very gory. <laughs> it was. It was. I don't think there's anybody that believes me. But when it's so simple to say, oh, Vince hired Vicky McMahon because the Guerrero family did so much for professional wrestling. Who the fuck's Vicky McMahon? Vicky Guerrero. Vince McMahon hired Vicky Guerrero. I'm sorry. I'm out there. <laughs> but then you gotta ask yourself, well, then what happened to Chavo? How come Chavo never got his limelight? Why wasn't Chavo the raw general manager? Little old Chavito. I mean, Vince turned him white, right? That's what happened. He got white. He got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> we all know how Vince uh, likes his white guys. Of course, folks, what I'm talking about, and if you remember in past episodes, I'm always going on about my conspiracy theories, but my top conspiracy theory is the fact that Vince was somehow responsible for the death of Eddie Guerrero. Chris Benoit found out about it, was gonna go to the authorities, Vince could do nothing to silence him except for what happened, and then paid off Vicky Guerrero and gave her the rest of the term of a career that Eddie Guerrero more than likely would have had to keep her silence. That's my theory in a nutshell. I can't help it, man. I don't make this shit up. This is this is something I've thought since the, the day Eddie Guerrero died, and it was only I mean, reaffirmed when, when Chris Benoit and his family... You know, Gory Guerrero doesn't get talked about enough, honestly. No. Which one is he uh, again? He's the patriarch, the father. Okay. He's the father. Speaking of patriarch... And then there is... Then there Why don't was... you go to patreon.com forward slash cloud sound, sign up today. Yeah. That was good. I like <laughs> There was Gory, and then he had um, the boys, Chavo, Hector, Mondo, and Eddie. And then Chavo had Chavo. And then Eddie had Raquel. And I think that's the, I think that's the most of the family. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about when Eddie I... had Rey Mysterio's son? You forgot about that, didn't you? Well, he almost had him, but then he lost the ladder match. He would have had him. Dominic. He would have had Dominic. He should have won. Just where where that storyline would have went. It would have been fun. I don't know if Raquel's still... I don't think Raquel's still with WWE. I know she was training in NXT. What did they call her? Sh- uh, sh- a shale? 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 Shale. I keep, saying, I keep saying the same word five times like it's gonna like it's gonna change. <laughs> like, like just keep saying it and it'll be right sooner or later. If you say it enough times, everybody will believe it's right. <laughs> Fuck. Um Eddie Guerrero daughter. Raquel. What did they call her? Shale? Shale? <laughs> Oh, Shawl. Shawl. Okay, yeah. Shawl Guerrero. Shawl. S-H-A-U-L. 
give a person a name like that and then expect them to succeed. Come the fuck on. That's a real name, apparently. Apparently, uh... <laughs> yeah, Eddie and Vicky, you fuckers. Ra- Ra- Raquel Diaz is her uh, stage name, so she oh, actually okay. changed it to something probably I better. I gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Why wouldn't she go with the Guerrero name? That's something that's weird to me. Yeah, because you know, Vince paid it. off the family to keep quiet about everything and doesn't want to draw attention back on himself. Could be. <laughs> you know how it is. Or maybe she's trying to get over without, you know, sometimes it's harder to get over with the, the name than not. I mean, it's not like she has Eddie there to actually push her the way, like, Rick can push Charlotte down her throat. She's more like Ted DiBiase Jr., who's like, you know, you know how that went. Right. Fuck, Rick or doesn't even, even push Charlotte very well. <laughs> Yeah, man, he pushed her into a lawsuit, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Alright. Woo! I love part of that. Part of that just tickles me so much when we get to that. Keep it in your pants, Rick. But, before we're getting tickled by Ric Flair, I think we got some pee-pee to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This week, folks, we have a nice, big, meaty, flaccid pee-pee for all of you slackers out in Slackerton. Is the 9 to 5 struggle too much for you? Do you just want to spend your time playing Black Ops 4 and Red Dead Redemption 2? No. Never fear. The Procrastinator is here. To teach you how to be a professional couch potato. That's P-R-O-C-R-A-S-T-I-N-8-R. Let your host. How do you spell that again, pasty? P-R-O-C-R-A-S-T-I-N-8-R. Let your host, Nate Zarambo, a.k.a. Procrastinate, be your passive income guru. Check him out at www.procrastinator.com. Or if that takes too much effort, check out the link pinned at the top of our Facebook page. It will be there for the next week. You can check out his podcast at the link provided, or you can hear him on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify, as well as most other places that podcasts can be found. And fun fact, folks, if you like the show he provides, he also has an ebook available giving you all of his secrets. Check it out. Tell him Beefstick sent you. It's a nice big PP. With the name Zrombo, I all of a sudden when you said that, all I thought of was Zimbo, the the little one-legged flying thing that was um, on Ah Real Monsters, the old Nicktoons. <laughs> the the Gromble, you know, the big yeah. like enforcer. That and he, he didn't talk, but Zimbo was his like he he spoke eloquently and he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Nate Zarimbo. I was like, God damn. All of a sudden, that character just popped in my head. <laughs> so now I'm going to picture Zimbo whenever I'm checking out this uh, podcast and listening to him. I'm going to see Zimbo speaking. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a good podcast partner for us because I know we're interested in making all the passive money we can. Oh, yeah. And we're also quite the couch potatoes. Mm-hmm. Got the pounds to show for it. Not only do we couch potatoes, we also poontang potatoes. Mm-hmm. We couch them and we bet them. Damn right. 
So if you're fucking a potato and you wake and bake, do you just wake up and fuck them? Yeah. It's like, awake and bake! The question is, is do you have the oven set really low, baking it slowly overnight? That way you can fuck it when you wake up? Well, it takes so long for a fucking potato to bake anyways, you might as well. Fucking reminds me of that, uh... Mitch Hedberg joke when he's talking to me. He's like, I love baked potatoes, but they take so fucking long. He's like, sometimes I'll just throw one in before I go on vacation. Because when I come back home, fuck it, maybe I'll be hungry. (laughs) Sounds about right. You know what? We should invent a microwave where you can set a timer on it, like the coffee pot, where it automatically starts baking your potato at 6.30. So when you wake up, it's hot and fresh and ready for you. Now you got me thinking. I wonder if there's a microwave that you can set the timer for. That'd be dope. Almost all microwaves have a clock on them anyways. Right, right. They're just missing that one key function. You just, what time, you put in the temperature and how long and let it go. Fuck, I I had a hard day at work. Or I know I'm going to have a hard day at work. I'm going (laughs) to... Toss these hot pockets in there. Leave for eight hours. They're gonna thaw out and go rancid by the time I get home. But, but. I was gonna say most foods that doesn't work for, but there are some like a baked potato would work or a ramen. You could just put the put the noodles in there on in water. They don't even have just... to be in water. They can be balancing on top of a bowl of water, and then when it starts to heat, the water will heat the noodles and they'll wilt into the water and cook, potentially. For uh, science! Man, that, that, we must find God, out. God, that seems like a lot of engineering involved in that one there. <laughs> just hold off. Cereal? You can do it with cereal. Just no milk. I guess who? You, you mean like oatmeal? Yeah, like, you know, yeah, like cereal. Like a cream of wheat or... Yeah, I don't know. I think if it's in the water for eight hours before it cooks, it's gonna lose all of its... Substance, it's gonna become a mush or a liquid. So, so have we decided that the reason nobody's made this yet is because it only works for a fucking baked potato? Well, the thing is, is is if you add, (laughs) if you added a small refrigerator, yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, refrigeration unit, then the refrigeration unit turns off at a certain time to get it to room temperature, and then at that time, the microwave kicks in and cooks the some bitch. And it's still small enough to fit on your bedside table. So at that point now, you might as well just change your idea from a microwave that has a timer to a refrigerator that can microwave shit. And everything's in its own little spot, and you just push buttons on the front of the refrigerator, and it's like, you know, oh man, I'm going to be home at work around... 5:30. So just punch it. Okay, I wanted the pot roast and the potatoes and, and carrots, and then I'd like a, I'd like a nice. Um, You're gonna microwave a pot roast? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it's leftovers. Okay. Well, you didn't mention that. That's a key point. Well, you can microwave a pot roast. It just won't taste good. <laughs> it's like I, a I, microwave I a Totino's pizza. The saddest thing ever known to man. Yeah, I have a feeling this is um, going nowhere. It's going somewhere. It's a million dollar idea. And hopefully one of our brilliant listeners will take the idea and steal it from us and make it a reality. Run it onto Shark Tank and have Mr. Wonderful run you down. (laughs) 
Hey, speaking of billionaires, you want to get into a little rumor? Innuendo? Yeah, I love some innuendo. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh. What are you endendoing? No, you endendo. I, I, am I endendoing about SA or what are we endendoing? CJ and and a billionaire. Oh, no, no, no. We'll get to that when it comes down there. Okay, that's fine, too. We'll get to that when the time comes. <laughs> we got time to come. We got time to come. We do. The microwave hasn't dinged yet. All right. Well, Pasty, there was a pretty damn good uh, pay-per-view this week. That there was. And it wasn't a WWE pay-per-view. That's not surprising. No, not at all. <laughs> They've been uh, missing the boat lately. Yes, uh, Impact Wrestling's WrestleMania, if you will, their big event of the year, their major show, Bound for Glory, which I believe is only the second pay-per-view this year. I think, um, I believe Slammiversary was the first one they had this year because they've been trying to get their ducks in a row and they've been trying to, you know, put their put their money where it needs to be. Where their mouth is? Yep, snowballing that shit. We'll get into that later, folks. <laughs> um, but it was it was interesting. I think it let everybody's talking about it. If what they wanted was people talking about Impact Wrestling, it's happening. True, true. It is. It is happening. Um, it had its problems, but it had a lot of standouts, and then it also had some a few controversial areas. So. Um, we didn't we didn't get to on air give our predictions about this show last week, but we did post them on Facebook before the show aired and was in, was recorded on Sunday. Um, and honestly, that birthed a brilliant idea, which we will be enacting next week. Activation. I don't even know about this, folks. So sure you I'm do. Just learning about it now. Sure you do. <laughs> I bet I'll find out. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, never mind. I know what you're talking about. I think. I mean, we could talk about it. Or we couldn't. I don't know. But, this pay-per-view, uh, they started off with a, uh, with the, um, Rich Swan and a mystery partner taking on Matt Seidel and Ethan Page. Earlier in the week, they had revealed the mystery partner was gonna be Willie Mack. Billy so we Mays. got the return of the Mac here. Uh, quite fun. The crowd was really into it. He was super over, yeah. super over, and he was kind of the spotlight of the match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he was very entertaining, very fun to watch. I really wanted to snip the crowd chanting return of the Mac and then have it on the show for you this week, but I, I didn't do that. You could have just grabbed the uh, Mark Morrison song. I know. Yeah, I could have. I love that song so much. It's a good song. It's, like my, it's my anthem. Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this was really good. It was a it was a decent way to open up the match. Of course, Matt Seidel, Rich Swan, they're both very good high flyers. Um, Willie Mack was strong. Ethan Page, I'm 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 just kind of getting into him, but he uh he held his own. Decent match. I could think of better openers. Decent match, though. Rich Swan and Willie Mack 
won this match. Hey, I mean, we finally got to see Rich Swan in uh, Impact Pay-Per-View. Something yeah. I've been waiting for. I know, I know. I, I love the guy. He got a raw deal in WWE, but it's probably for the best because... He'll actually uh, get used here. He, hopefully. I mean, he ha- he has been. He was in the uh, main event of uh, this week's Impact Wrestling. Nice. So he was taking on Brian Cage for the X Division title. Mm. Brian so yeah, he Cage. definitely, he most definitely would not have been main eventing Raw that or SmackDown. That man should not be in the X Division. Yeah, I, I 100% agreed. What you, would you think of this? Any, any, anything else to add? I mean, it was, not it a, was lot. a lot of fun. It was fun. That's, it was that's fun. what I have to say about that. That was kind of the theme of this pay-per-view. was just fun, yeah. I thought. Yeah, top to bottom, I think that the whole goal was just to have the most fun they possibly could. And let me tell you, that New York crowd had fun, too. Well, yeah, so next up we had Eli Drake, and he had said earlier that he was going to have an open challenge to any New Yorker who wanted to face him. Um, honestly, Pasty, I thought for sure that Bully Ray was coming out. Right. And then I was like, and then I was like, ah, fuck. I was like, you know what? It's going to be like en- Enzo Amore. And I was not happy for that. I was just like, fuck <laughs> Enzo Amore. Because he's a New Yorker. Um, yeah. What I, what I got disappointed me more than Enzo Amore, Pasty. The first thing we see is a big teleprompter that says, I am a James Ellsworth guy. Mm-hmm. Right, right off the bat. That'd be like Paul Heyman saying, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. That's not how it works, James. <laughs> you're, you're your own guy? What? <laughs> but yes, the man with two fists and no chin came out to take on Eli, Eli Drake to a thunderous ovation. He was the hero the crowd was looking for, Pasty. Oh, yeah. No. No, he wasn't. <laughs> they shit on him only like you could, except it was an arena of you. <laughs> And I was sitting there, so sad and disappointed. I imagined, I imagined a tear running down your cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. <coughs> Give the man his credit. Give him his credit. No, they tore him apart. Immediately met with a wave of booze and chants of delete, delete, delete. Eli Drake had to remind them, that's the wrong one, guys. Yeah, he did too. <laughs> so then they changed it up to "fuck you, Ellsworth." <laughs> I don't know why they're yeah. so against him. It's just—it's not fair. It's not nice. It wasn't nice. Um, I honestly, if if I was any, um, even even WWE, I guess right now if I was any promotion and he just came out as like a special. Thing I would assume the crowd would be behind him, especially when it was against yeah. the oh, heel. Yeah. I would and you could tell like, Impact expected it. Yeah, I don't blame Impact for putting him in this position. I felt really bad for James. I felt uncomfortable watching it. Honestly, I did. I felt uncomfortable watching it. Mm. Uh, I mean, he did a pretty decent job of making the most out of it. He did. He did. He did his job. He came out there. He got beat. Yeah. Hey, he sucker uh, punched the shit out of Drake. You damn right he did, man. Any man with one fist can throw a sucker punch. (laughs) And Drake sold it pretty good. 
Drake sold it good. I want to see James Ellsworth versus Zach Gowan. <laughs> no chin versus one leg. The death match. I want to see James Ellsworth versus Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Bruce has got enough chin for three people. <laughs> they could be a tag team. Mm. Good old, good old Zach Gowan. I like Zach Gowan. I like him. Yes. Um. So not nonetheless, Eli Drake made short work of James. Took him out. And he wasn't done. He was like, well, this isn't... Oh, oh, wait, wait. Rewind, rewind. Did you, wait, did you Before... hear the story of when they went to sign <laughs> Zach Gowen to, to WWE? It was on a uh, something to wrestle about, with Bruce Prichard. About when they got the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, it was the wrong <laughs> one. He has two legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. They, no, the first, the, the first thing was, it was uh, Johnny Ace. And he he, he found a one-legged guy who had been, like, wrestling forever and wasn't named Zach Gowan. And that was the wrong one. But then, they want when he was working for them already, Zach Gowan wanted to do a stunt. Or they wanted to do a stunt with him where he went off the thing. And the one guy's like, hey, I got a stuntman for that. And they're like, well, yeah, but everybody's going to know it's a stuntman because Zach has one leg. He's like, I have a stuntman with one leg. And you're like, what? And he just, according to Bruce, he just opens the phone and dials a number right there. Like, he has the guy's number right there. Calls him up, talking to the guy, looks at them, and he's like, which leg is he missing? They're like, left. Left. All right, awesome. Yeah. Hang up the phone. All right, we got it. <laughs> Said they come the day of the show, and the stuntman comes, and he has two fucking legs. <laughs> what, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, that is fun. I, you must be getting into that something to wrestle with, huh? Every now and then, yeah. I mean, I'm always looking for podcasts to listen to, and when Stone Cold's not doing wrestling stuff, I'm not listening, and when Jericho's doing rock stuff, I'm generally not listening. Uh, I I like something to wrestle with also because it's it's not current, so you can go back and listen mm-hmm. to any of at any you time want, you want. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. No. Uh, his his stories are some of the best. Oh, and the way he tells it. Mm-hmm. It's not even just the stories, it's the way. He was a born storyteller. I love his impressions. I really liked when it was when they were doing the Something Else to Wrestle on WWE Network and he had all the faces. And... <laughs> that was great. I like that gimmick. <laughs> just just something a little extra that I probably wouldn't have thought of, but it was so fun. If I may put up a volley, sir. <laughs> yeah, has the big old fat head of... Polly dangerously up there. Ah, uh, good shit. It was good. Um. So what happened after Drake destroyed em- Ellsworth? Well, well, I, I wanted to rewind though because Ellsworth, before they even wrestled, of course, Eli Drake is like, "Dude, are you even from New York?" <laughs> and then, of course, the whole arena of seventy-five people. I'm joking. It was it was a packed arena though, folks. It was small, super packed. Yeah. Where they had to move in the guardrails, they over uncomfortably them, so. close to the ring. Good for them. Uh, Not a human body length by any means. (laughs) Yeah, a couple knees got whacked (laughs) pretty hard on that. Um, But um, Ellsworth is like, well, no, but I used to date a gal from Staten Island and I stayed in her basement. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that was, that was on him. He fucked that. I mean, I was, as soon as I heard that, I I groaned. Oh, 
Oh. Yeah. It was pretty sad. You ain't got to um, do that, James. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, but then Eli's like, no, I need some real competition. I need like Hall of Fame competition. I need somebody tough. And of course, out came the Monster Abyss. And um, and then Abyss just came out and beat the shit out of him, threw him through a table and stuff. I guess they didn't have an actual match. No. I think they had an actual match, but I guess they didn't have an no, actual match. No, it was just match. an impromptu beatdown. But the fans cheered like fuck for that babyface. He was right, over. Right. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Eli I can't was wait too to see Abyss heel. and James Ellsworth take the tag team titles together. Oh my gosh! It's fucking. It's it's Braun and and fucking whatever that little Christian or whatever that little kid's name is all over again. Jacob, Lucius. am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, Lucius. That was it. <laughs> fucking Lucius. Travis. It was, yeah. it was a dumb name. None of us are right. It was a dumb name, and I feel bad because it's not the kid's <laughs> fault. He was, he was named by a referee. <laughs> ah. Should never let referees name their own children. No, not at all. Brian, never. come on. Yeah, what kind of... Come on, Earl. What kind of name is Brian, Earl? Brian's the name of a cartoon dog. Yeah, an Earl is like an a, like a lord, like an <laughs> owner of land and slaves, and then you gave him Brian. Well, I mean, maybe it was the life of Brian. Hey, I just watched that the other day. Because Monty Python has a huge collection available on Netflix now, folks. Oh, man, they've got so many different oh. random collections of shorts and, and everything in the movies. and yeah. No no you Holy Grail, enough. though, as far as I saw. Um, no? I don't think so. That used to be on there. I love Holy Grail, and I haven't watched it that in a long be. fucking time. I need to watch it and test myself to see how many lines I still have memorized. Right. Some a lot of call stuff. me. Some call me Tim. Um, <laughs> uh, this was this was fun. Again, it was the the James Ellsworth stuff was kind of uncomfortable. Uh, no fault for anybody. I, I guess I no fault of anybody's. Just the crowd. Fans, yeah, but they can. They weren't happy with what they got. They were. They number one. They're New Yorkers, and they're they're pretty fond of their heritage. Yeah, and I think they were insulted that you had some random jabroni from from California, especially, come out here when it was supposed to be a New Yorker thing. You think it would be better if it would <clears throat> if it would have been uh, Enzo, Mister Consensual en- Penis? Enzo, Cass, I think uh, any any one of them would have been over. Bully Ray probably would have been over. Oh yeah, Bully Ray probably would have got the best ovation of all of them. You know, yeah, I think I think they would have. I think there's a lot of people that could have been. I don't know who's all from New York. I just happen to know that Enzo and Cass are available, and they're both from New York. Zack Ryder. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Um, up next, we had the knockouts title match. Tessa Blanchard defending her title against Mrs. Impact, Taya Valkyrie. This match, I I really enjoyed it. I haven't heard a bad word about it from any anything I've read or, or watched. I think it could have been better. But I think this match made Taya Valkyrie. I think this match was all about making Taya. I think this match was when I decided to get comfortable and was kind of situating things differently in the living room so I could watch it on the big screen instead of at my computer desk. 
Yeah, so I missed out on this one. <clears throat> this was, it was really good. These two can have a better match, and I'm assuming they probably will still. In fact, this episode of Impact, Taya comes out and talks about how she lost respect for Tessa. You know, and she used to, she's the best woman wrestler that used to have respect. So this, this is still going on. This isn't the last match they have. But Tessa's just been such a dominant force in Impact, and almost anywhere she goes. But in this match, Taya was really on top of her, was really pushing her to the limit. Um, Tessa was selling beautifully for Taya. I think this match made Taya. Now, Tessa Blanchard won. She ended up of course um, she retaining did. her title. She she pulled up the ring apron. And when the referee was, uh, was trying to adjust the ring apron, um, Taya Valkyrie was pinning Tessa. And Tessa ended up getting out of it because he wasn't paying attention to the pin. And then she ended up she ended up winning with her uh, buzzsaw DDT, and, and it was good. It was a good way for the heel to win and retain the title. It was a good way to drag the story on, and I thought it was a very solid match. And I guess if you didn't watch it, you probably don't have much else. Well, I to did go. catch the ending of it, uh, probably just a couple minutes before she pulled up the. The apron. I think this is the part of the show where we need to stop and talk a little bit about the sponsor for Fun for Glory. Comda.com. Look at this, folks. They gave us drink cups and coffee mugs and pins and hats and pens. I got this amazing Comda pen, he said. They don't tell us what the fuck Comda is. Comda is a it's a website that helps you promote your stuff, whatever it is. So it's almost <laughs> like an ad place. It's there. They taught, they fucking taught impact how to promote comda.com. <laughs> right, right. So these motherfuckers are good at their job. <laughs> taught them to the how to promote comda, the, but not impact. <laughs> the folks, the folks in the front row were literally pointing at comda.com on their bound for glory hats that were given to them. <laughs> like these motherfuckers know how to self promote. Um, they did, Comda.com is also who did, um, I'm pretty sure Slammiversary was also Comda.com, because I remember them talking about that a lot before. Yeah, they sure um, slathered this pay-per-view in Comda.com. Yeah, yeah. There, I, there was definitely more marketing for Comda than there was Impact. I am never going to forget Comda.com. No. Nope. I will always remember that. Until the day I'm I getting die. it tattooed. It's going to be my first tattoo. Comda.com. Yeah. Right on my oh. ring apron. Or as we call it in layman's terms, my gooch. <laughs> but the fact that they have somebody that wants to um, that wants monetize to off them, of what little bit of following they have. Well, wants to sponsor them. You know, Comda.com is giving them money and they feel that, that it's getting their name out there. I don't know how many people were watching, but like we said, everybody watching fucking walked away knowing Comda.com. Yeah, that is for sure. And if you went to Comda.com and bought any merchandise off of there, you could get a free Bound for Glory hat with Ooh, your purchase. Gotta love them trucker-style caps. Comda.com. Comda.ca. Yeah, they should push that. Mm-hmm. We should get them for a sponsor on the show. Comda.com. Yeah. Uh, up next, we had Eddie Edwards versus Moose. Um, it was short, 
little nothing and then Killer Cross come in with a kendo stick and uh, choke the shit out of him choke the chicken out of Eddie and Edwards I'll... like I don't know I don't think Moose is a guy who really needs help I know right out of out of everybody um god man he had he was fucking flamboyant this night too huh? yeah <laughs> between between this outfit and then the outfit he came out to at the at the um at the uh, main event two completely different outfits by the way very much this was uh man he's really i, I like it he's a, he's been a very boring person to me yeah he's so coming like he's coming he's around least, he's getting his own his own style i'm still not down with killer cross he's pretty one-dimensional killer croc I know, right? I just expect Batman to pop up at any time. <laughs> but then the innovator of violence comes out and Tommy Dreamer makes the save. Yes, folks! The man who Eddie Edwards had been violently clashing with for three months. They they, they earned each other's respect. Oh, yeah. Tommy passed and down now, the kendo stick. And then and now, tonight he passed down something else. Yeah. <laughs> Lay it out for us, pasty. Oh boy! So Tommy Dreamer comes down. Of course, chaos ensues. <laughs> Bodies are flying, flying, flopping every which way. Tommy Dreamer grabs a beer out of a fan's hand, drinks a drink of it, spits it in Killer Cross's face, I believe. Yeah. And then he takes another drink, standing on the ring apron, spits it down into Eddie Edwards' mouth, <laughs> who then spit the beer in Moose's face. Pass down a whole nother line of genetics. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of firsts in wrestling. <laughs> um, WWE really pounces on the first. This may be the first snowballing I've ever seen in wrestling. <laughs> it very well may be the first snow. And it's going to well, be their no. gimmick now. You know that, right? This is going to happen this... more often than it should, and it's going to be disturbing. I don't remember what match it was, but it was. I remember that it disgusted me and it, it grossed me out. There was a match not too long back, within the recent years. It was too, obviously, too hardcore sons of bitches. They like to do that. But they were, like, spitting. Like, one would spit in the one's mouth, and then he'd spit back, and then he'd spit back, and they're <laughs> spitting it back and forth. I do remember, and I don't remember what it was on, so I guess it means nothing. But So it probably wasn't <coughs> the first ever snowballing, but, man. I, I think I saw I that. Do... So the odds are, sorry. You probably shared right. it on Beastick's Facebook. <laughs> probably. I just, um, yeah, I, I don't need to see snowballing in my pro wrestling. Yes, but you do. Wrestling is not homoerotic enough yet. That's true. It's not. There's something for everybody. Um, and then, of course, they, so, so they start this as a no DQ match. Which, yeah, obviously. So this is almost the second... Kind of the second un unannounced match. Mm -hmm. If you if you count Abyss coming out and beating up Drake, uh, Drake, which wasn't really an unannounced match. So remember, you had a match where one con contestant wasn't uh, revealed, which was Rich Swan and Willie Mack. At least not by the time that the last episode aired. Then you had another one where the contestant wasn't revealed, which was Eli Drake versus some New Yorker. Then you had a follow up where Abyss came out. There's three. Now you have another makeshift match. Four unannounced matches so far in this pay-per-view. I can't say I'm happy about that. Um, it, it, it makes our our picks kind of pointless, but... 
It really does. Our picks. Were I thought fun. it was this fun. I thought it was fun. It's spontaneous, and it's you know they're doing something. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's working or not, they're trying something. And what works for me doesn't work for some people, and what doesn't work for me does work for some people. Um, but this match was was okay. It was your very generic. It looked like a late ECW's match. You know, I mean, it was your throw all the stuff in there and whop the crap out of them, but. But they, they, I believe they held back because of the next two matches coming up. Yeah. Which is good. Well, yeah. No, they held back because of Tommy Dreamer. Well, yeah, he can only do so much <laughs> to begin with. And, um, and Moose, and I don't know about Killer Cross, but Moose isn't really a hardcore guy. Eddie Edwards can, can take it. Eddie Edwards is the, the new Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. I, like you said, he passed down the kendo stick, but he's got that, you know, never give up, you know, fight through all bullshit but this is kind of where I feel like the mat we could talk about it later but I don't think they structured this pay-per-view well that's that's and again that's my opinion and you kind of liked it so mm. it worked I mean I dig a hardcore fest like um give me every match so, hardcore every pay-per-view and I'll be a happy guy so as you want in your uh, pay-per-view the two guys that are just super baby faces, super over, Eddie Edwards and Tommy Dreamer, beat the despicable henchmen of the evil main event villain, Moose and Killer Cross. Yes, a moose and a crocodile. Yes. That's, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to become the zookeeper from uh, Futurama fame. <laughs> we were just watching that be... episode the other day. Were you? Yeah. The super, the, the super uh, uh, Justice League? Yes. Super Justice League. Yeah. That's a that's a fun one. Clobberella, um, Mr. Mr. Not Mr. Past. What is it? Mr. Oh, Captain Yet Mr. Yesterday or Captain Yesterday, and then then what is Bender? He's King something. Uh, he's, I he's can't. King something. I just remember they come into the mayor's office and he's like, Clavarella, Captain Yesterday. And then he bows down to Bender, my liege. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's actually his king. <laughs> I love it. Oh, anyways, man, Futurama. That a really good sidetrack because we need to fucking get back. Right. So next up we have an OVE rules match. They never really explained what an OVE rules match is, but then we realized it's the same as the no DQ match that just happened before. Yes. Which is whatever. People have been doing that in pro wrestling since the beginning of pro wrestling. It's a street fight. It's a no DQ. It's a false count anywhere. No holds it's barred. It's a no holds barred. It's, yeah, it's this, that, and the other thing. But man, I don't know if I've ever seen it back to back and have it be two, called two different things and be the exact same match. <laughs> Um, and the other thing... Well, this wasn't. This one I was think, six men. It's very different. Well, I was just, just going to say, the other thing I think that really killed the no DQ thing is that they were all tag matches. Mm -hmm. um, God, I really don't think it was structured well. But that's just me. Again, just me. So this one, we've seen OVE. For those of you who don't know, Dave Chris, Jake Chris, Sammy Callahan taking on the team of the Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix, and... Penta El Sierro, and they call him Cage Brian Cage. This far too was... big for the X division. 
just far gotta too, state far that again. <laughs> yeah, it it's, harkens to a time that Abyss wore the X Division title. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but this one, this was this was just your your car crash match, and I don't mean that in much of a negative way. No, it was fun. Um, Jake Christ, I think, kind of stole the show to me for me. Like, out of, I'm not. <clears throat> I mean, out of everybody who's in there, who's so like. I think Phoenix and Jake Crist really stuck out as like, wow, these guys are showing us something. You didn't like Sammy Callahan in this match? Oh, no, I, I loved, actually, I loved everybody probably except for Cage. As soon as I think the match all started, I said I, I should have picked OVE. I should have picked OVE. <laughs> um, but there was some, there was some, some sloppiness in this match, which can happen. You got six people, you got no tags. You got shit flying everywhere. Um, the biggest one that really looked super awkward to me was, I believe, um, the um, the Lucha Brothers were going for the move on on. I, I, I want to say on Dave. I think it was on Dave Christ, where uh, Phoenix gets up on top of um, um, Penta El Cierro, and they're gonna flip off and do that move but when they were up there jake comes up from the uh turnbuckle and he goes to do a diving cutter onto phoenix and just completely botches it and phoenix kind of falls awkward and jake kind of looked like he'd like stopped halfway in midair and dave christ almost got landed on and kind of had to roll awkward it, it looked it looked bad but they did a thousand and one amazing moves um, I think the one that, that popped me the most, who did they have? I, I think they had, well, it might've been Sammy Callahan was in the corner and Pentagon Jr. monkey flipped Phoenix and then Phoenix in midair, like turned into a cannonball, yeah. cannonballed right into him. I was like, that was a super fun and unique move. Yeah, it was pretty fun to watch. I liked that. This was everywhere. It was hard to follow just because so much was going on. Mm-hmm. And and to, to, to call him out, I mean, the camera work on this... The camera work was pretty good on this pay-per-view, but this match, I think the cameramen had too much on their plate. You would have thought it would have been the next match. That one was also awkward for the cameraman, I feel. <laughs> uh, but all in all, this was what you wanted for... Um, a big OVE uh, fest. You had a lot of the hardcore stuff. You had a lot of the flip-flop flying. Um, I gotta say, I miss Sammy's hair. I know, right? Without his flowing He looks locks. too plain now. Well, blame Penta El Cerro. I am. It's, it's all He's my him. new least favorite professional wrestler. Oh, that's good, though. He's doing his job. Um... And then, and then, um, at a point, um, Phoenix and Pentagon kind of got, um, pile-droved and, and super-kicked to oblivion to where they, they pulled a, uh, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and just laid out mm-hmm. um, for what seemed like an uncomfortably long amount of time to where it was basically OVE versus Cage. And for the most part, Cage was still manhandling them yeah, pretty good. Yeah, there. he was. But the numbers game caught up to him. He ended up taking, like, I think 15 kicks to the face. Something like that. They were just... 
They were kicking the shit out of them, all three at one time, two at a time, just kicking the shit out of them. And then Sammy Callahan comes down, makes the pin. Sammy Callahan becomes the first person in Impact Wrestling to pin Brian Cage. So, good for big him. kudos for Sammy Callahan. Yeah. yeah. So how long do you think it's going to be before Brian Cage goes to WWE? Vince has got to be drooling. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, could, I could see it. He would be big, their next Brock Lesnar. I'm not a big Cage fan, but he can do... Like, he can do a standing moonsault. He can do a lot of good stuff. He has no personality. No. None. He needs Paul Heyman. He needs somebody. Yeah, for sure. Enzo Amore. Um, put, him with, uh, put him with Lashley and have Leo Rush with him, man. Leo's, Leo's been fucking... Ooh, he's a heat seeker. That guy... I love, he's an awesome wrestler, but if they keep him on the mic the rest of his tenure, I'll be impressed. I, I still haven't seen it. It's driving really? me crazy. Yeah. Man, just YouTube some of his stuff with Bobby Lashley. He's the man. So this one was, again, this one was fun. Maybe a little sloppy, but fun. Next up, we had the Concrete Jungle match. And going into this, I don't think anybody, other than possibly LAX and the OGs, knew what the fuck a Concrete Jungle match was. <laughs> I went into this expecting this to be the third no DQ match in a row. Right. And then they explained it, and I went, oh my gosh, this is fucking amazing. Somebody's this gonna get hurt. Be, this has gotta be the best idea anybody's ever come up with. On on paper. <laughs> and what the idea was was it took the, the all real the question for me at this buckles. point and like this is this is not the main event. Why is this not the final match of the night, would that not make a whole lot more sense? Yes, if for something that didn't happen right. at the end of the year. Right. I, I, I agree. So um, so what it is, is they took all the, the padding off the turnbuckles, so it was just straight steel turnbuckles, and they took all the padding off of the mat, so it was literally just the two-by-four boards. boards that Loose were boards. not... Yeah, they were not, like, binded at all. Loose, flopping, sliding. Uh, made for a... I mean, visually, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you were very worried for everybody involved all the time. Very oh. edge of your seat match. So worried. The only thing that kind of bothered me, Pasty, was they went to all this work of... Okay, they took out, they took out all the padding from the turnbuckles, which doesn't take too long. Right. But that's 12 turnbuckles you gotta do. They took all the padding off of the ring, which has to take a little bit of work. Um, they didn't take the padding from the side of, like, the concrete, like, the outside. Like, why wouldn't you just fold up those mats and get rid of them? Because it takes a lot away when you can just throw yourself outside and now you're more padded. Like, you shouldn't be right. able to be outside of the ring and be more padded. Right, it's a concrete jungle match. Where's the concrete? Where's the concrete? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You got everything else. <laughs> but um, this was fun. This was awesome on paper. The man pasty, as Bruce Pritchard would say, and then the bell rang. <laughs> well, I mean, shit. It got bad before the bell even rang. Because LAX came out with their rapper friend and he did their theme song and the entrance on the party inside the ring and that's where the boards started flying around. <laughs> it was an awesome entrance though, wasn't it?
You keep cutting out, my friend. That's exactly what I just thought for you, because you were just quiet until you said keep cutting out, my friend. Mm -hmm. I, I said it was an awesome entrance, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Very hype, very... Woo! Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. It was a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> Good song. Uh, yeah. But let's, let's talk about this fucking match. Let's talk about these boards that aren't sitting in there straight. <laughs> and all I'm envisioning is somebody getting body slammed and two boards pushing together and fucking ripping off chunks of flesh. Yeah, from, from the get-go, the very first thing, uh, uh, couple, I don't even remember who it was, but a couple of them went to the outside, and Santana and somebody else are on the inside, and the first step I think Santana took, whoop, <laughs> yep, right yep. through between two boards. It's like, God. Well, it didn't take long after that for the ref, thank heavens the ref was thinking, it didn't take long after that for the ref to remove one of the boards, because one was like... It was fitting so tight, one was sticking up mm -hmm. and wasn't, like, sitting good. Mm -hmm. So he removed one, so they were kind of evenly spread out. And, yeah, that poor ref, not only is all this shit going on around him, he spent more time trying to keep the ring organized <laughs> than dealing with the wrestlers. I think uh, it's funny, but, like, the wrestlers didn't just, like, okay, we're all going to go to the outside of the ring. Somebody can get this kind of set back together right, and then we'll get back in the ring, you know? Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. I think there was always somebody going. in the ring. It was. And you know what? This match, the the spots that worked looked fucking awesome. Fuck yeah. Like, oh, just amazing. They did a superplex off the top. God, I that could not have felt good. Once again, I just I felt it in my nuts with the boards pinching. I couldn't imagine yeah. it'd be like a kendo stick times 100. I was waiting for boards to like slip vertically and then slide <laughs> down or something and they'd be under the mat or something. Um, but then there were times that um, it didn't work. A lot of the running was like kind of fast walking because they were really trying to watch where they were. Except for at one point, and I wish I remember who it was. It may have been Ortiz or Santana. It was one of them too. Man, they went to do a suicide dive and... He just went for it. He was like, you know what? If I'm falling, I'm falling hard because I'm just going. Uh-huh. But other than that, a lot of the, like, Irish whips and stuff like that were more, like, Irish, like I said, speed walking. <laughs> well, I mean, you had to do what you could to stay safe in that fucking match. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. But it's very unique. It's something people would talk about. And, um, I, I would be okay with them doing this again if... Uh, they ahead of time secured the boards. I think that's the biggest problem. Eh. If you could secure, you could just the take out half them. the boards and make it really dangerous. <laughs> that's what you do. Do do a crisscross pattern. <laughs> I have another theory here, and that's partway through the night, Don Callis's pen broke, and he got pissed. And this concrete, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this concrete jungle match was originally supposed to be the ring was put together and they just removed the shit out, out around the ring. And his pen broke and he got pissed and he's like, this com merchandise is bullshit. Cut it all off. <laughs> and that's how the match got changed. Yeah, very possible. <laughs> that, that, that pen was not lasting through the night. I can guarantee you that. That pen was not lasting through the night. 
you got a martini in that thing? He said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all in all, honestly, for this match, I give I give this match and everybody in it an A for effort. Oh yeah. Um, if I was calling, you know, if I was calling it as a match, just how it was as a match, it was C minus, probably C. But man, it was entertaining. It was fun. One of the most challenging match environments I've ever witnessed. Exactly. You have to give the props to the wrestlers inside there because even as awkward as it looked, it should have looked way more. It shouldn't have even worked. Right. Yeah. And they made it work. So hats off to them. Next up, Pasty, was my favorite part of the night. Some people just hated this. I've watched it, I think, four times now. I watched it once, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so we have a skit here, folks. Uh, a, a skit. It doesn't take place in the in the ring. Ob- and, and obviously, let's just state the... Let's, let's call out the elephant in the room. They had to put together the fucking ring for the main event. Oh, yeah. So they needed something to kill time. And something that wasn't going to be in the ring. But I'm glad they went with this. So if you haven't been following along with um, Impact's weekly show... Kira Hogan has been taken into the undead realm by Sue Young, and Allie is trying to save her. Well, the sinister minister himself, James Mitchell, mm-hmm. Father James Mitchell, gave her the key to entering the undead realm, which ironically goes through a coffin. Who knew that the, I mean, who knew? That's where the portal is. So she hops into this coffin. And we're taken on this complete B-horror movie ride where she, she gets into this uh, this old home. There's the undead bridesmaids all over. They're attacking her. She grabs an axe. She finds an axe paste. Yes. And I'm like, oh, shit. I was like, this is stupid. She's never going to use the axe. And then one of the, the undead bridesmaids come at her. And then she came and she hit her with the axe, but she hit her with the dull side and bopped her on the head. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Okay, I I see how this is going to be. All right. So she's going through. She's fighting off these undead people. Sue Young. Or, well, well, she ends up finding the... She ends up finding the coffin. The coffin that has Kira. But she can't get it open. And then uh, all these undead bridesmaids keep coming to attack her. And then Sue Young comes out. Out of nowhere. Uh, no, actually, I first... She does it. She ends up hatcheting. I, oh, fuck. I'm getting lost. There was so much going on in this. <laughs> it was wild. But anyway, Sue Young ends up coming up. And they're fighting. And Ali straight hatchets her in the fucking neck. Yep. Good amount like, of blood. It, not the bop I side. Liked it. Yeah. And then, um... And then she's on the... Oh, I, I did forget one. One of the bridesmaids, she knocks on the ground. The bridesmaid, she bopped. That's what it is. The bridesmaid is on the ground... Then she starts hatcheting her, like just mur- mm-hmm. myrtleizing her. What? 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 And this myrtleizing. I love it. And the best part was they have fake blood splattering up. You don't get to see her hatcheting it, but you know it's kind of you see her hatcheting, oh, yeah. and you know oh, I mean, the it's campy. It's got to be campy as bridesmaid. Part. Exactly. So you see the fake blood splashing up at her, like in real life. Then they have CG blood splash up at the camera. Yes. I was like, damn, they doubled up on what kinds <laughs> of fake blood they use. Like, this is awesome. It was. This is straight out of a college fucking course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then she ends up hatcheting Sue Young. 
she she uh, goes to get Kira and uh, can't get her. Su Young comes back, rips the hatchet out of her neck. Then, out of nowhere, Rosemary makes her return. Yes, she did. So Rosemary pulled a bronze Strowman on Su Young, and she gave her these hands. But she didn't give her these hands the way Braun Strowman does it. No, she starts blasting projectiles, <laughs> ne- neon-colored projectiles from her hand, and Su Young counters her, and it looks like a fucking anime battle, and it's just cool as shit. Get and out! I'm just fucking marking out. <laughs> and um, the Sinister Minister is there, and she's like, we have to go, and he looks at her and says, My dear, I told you I could get you in here, but I never said I'd get you out. <laughs> just fucking love it. And he's just standing there beside the coffin for no reason other than to say that and laugh. And that's all he does. But then they end up getting it open. Kira and Ali both hop in the coffin to transport to the realm. They want to get Rosemary back, but Kira's like, no, we... And Ali's like, we have to get her. And Kira's like, no, she's holding her off. We have to go. And then they try to shut the coffin, but apparently nobody checked if they could fit both the girls in there before they taped this. And so they kind of kept trying to shut it, and then they cut away. <laughs> and then they come out on the other side. And this was so... If, if my fucking rambling couldn't tell you, folks, this was just so fucking fun. It was. It was a great time. And it goes to prove that Impact doesn't need Matt Hardy to make these things happen. And do them well. No. Better than WWE can do them without Matt Hardy. Yeah. This was easily better than the, the House of Horrors match. Mm. Um, not, as good, not as good as the original um, total... Deletion or the original total nonstop the, the, deletion, ultimate deletion. But, yeah, it's hard. Deletion. It's hard for me to remember which is which. It's better. It was better than some of the deletions, but definitely not better than the first. Right, one. right, right. Um, it was so it's hard to remember which ones there were. There was yeah. The best the thought is, is, is Woken Matt could pop up here at any time in these things too. He could, could probably won't. But good. Probably won't. He seems to really want to be a, a producer backstage in WWE. But he definitely could. And with the at least loose working relationship WWE mm-hmm. has, it would be so cool. But no, I had so much fun. I don't know who produced this. I don't know who wrote this. But I love. Oh yeah, hats off to you. With that being said, I've probably seen about 50% of the people out there who just thought this was the dumbest fucking thing ever and, and feel that they're trying to copy... They are trying to copy the, the total deletion thing. Not gonna lie. But I thought they did it well. And some people thought they just... No, it was just fucked up. Which, again, that's fine. I thought it was fun. It was a nice little Halloween-ish treat. And it was at a good point in the pay-per-view, and it served a good purpose in the pay-per-view to cover up them repairing the fucking ring. And let's be honest, if this was your piss-break match, this is a good spot for people who A, can't don't like this shit to begin with, go and do their piss-break, and B, if you had to take your piss-break, you're not going to miss the, a match. Right. You're not missing a match. You're missing some fun, but some, you're not some missing of, a match. Some of the most fun of the night, almost. Oh, for sure. Like I said, th- honestly, this was my favorite part of the night. I, I have gone back, like I said, and watched this. Four- I watched it once originally, and I've gone back and watched it three other times. So fun. So, so fun. 
In fact, this this and the um, main event are the only things I've gone back and rewatched. I I should have rewatched the Concrete Jungle match. I haven't done that yet. Oh, uh, that leads us to Pacey, our uh, main event. Yes, indeed, it's a battle for the ages. When Johnny Impact with Taya Valkyrie takes on Austin Aries, the Impact World Title holder, with Killer Cross and Moose. Which is weird, because I never knew they were friends, but I don't watch the weekly programming so often, so... Oh, yeah, um... Killer Cross has been with Ares for a while, and they've um, recruited Moose just recently. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so we got a uh, we got a Moose, a Crocodile, and a, a winged uh, Norse uh, um, fighting woman. The greatest man that ever lived. All on the side, along with the greatest man that ever lived, and and the man with many Johnnies. This this was an awesome fucking match. Holy shit. They started off to where they didn't wrestle. They started off as if two guys were in a bar and started fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some real not, some real stiff jabs here and there. Yeah, and throughout the first half of the match, I'd say. For sure, for sure. <laughs> they they you know, they wouldn't let each other get up. It was kind of sloppy. A lot of the, at one point, um, Austin Aries had uh, impact in like a, a guillotine choke. Like you do, like if you were in a bar fight and you get somebody in that headlock mm-hmm. and you're just holding them down and trying to choke them out. It wasn't like a working headlock like you normally would do. It was like a no motherfucker. We're just, I'm trying to take you out. I'm not trying to fight and make this look good. I'm just trying to take you out. Really good. After that, they got into the wrestling portion of it. Come on, you got you got Johnny Impact, you got Austin Aries. The wrestling was just impeccable. These two guys told the story they wanted to tell. Um, put it all out there. They they went 21 minutes, Pasty, and the 21 minutes flew by. Too fast. Just flew by. Yeah, I definitely wanted to see more. Um, at one point, Aries. Was it? Did he? Yeah, he pile drived Johnny onto that ring apron, but that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was when he fell and his leg whapped the guardrail that's right next to yeah. it, and kind of got hung up on the guardrail. And I was like, "Ooh, god!" You know, he was he was bracing himself for that p- pile driver. That knee just whapped that guardrail. <laughs> um, there was a point where Austin Aries went to uh, suicide dive Johnny. Johnny moved and Aries ended up hitting Taya Valkyrie. The one thing I I didn't like about this is he just kind of looked at her but then kept going on with the match. I felt like he could have... She sold, but I felt like he could have sold it a little more. Mm -hmm. Like, really been worried about it. But Maybe his hatred for Aries runs deeper. Kind of the Macho Man Miss Elizabeth thing where sometimes his hatred for his opponent blinded him to, to he didn't care about what happened to Miss Elizabeth till after right. the match well she knows the dangers of being at ringside yeah and, and of course Taya does she's a pro wrestler she's she's out there doing her thing so that was cool that added a little extra to it you could tell Aries didn't mean to and kind of felt bad about it also uh, so we're rounding up towards the end Johnny Impact hits his own brain buster which is Austin Aries signature move which sets up Austin Aries for Starship Pain 
Johnny Impact's finisher, just a, a beautiful split-legged moonsault that he's been doing forever and always looks awesome. Oh, yeah. And gets the one, two, three, and Johnny Impact is your new Impact world title holder. And Johnny Impact doesn't even have time to hoist his championship in the air when Austin Aries pops up and gets out of the ring as fast as he can. He spits at Johnny. He goes. He flips off Don Callis and is yelling something at him. And for those of you who don't know, Don Callis is not only just an announcer and pen enthusiast, but uh, oh no, never mind. Don wasn't the pen enthusiast, <laughs> but he um, he is a um, co- uh, president. Vice president, something like that. Yeah, one of the heads. One of the top. One of the heads. Toppies. Yeah, it's him, Edward uh, Nordholm, and Scott Demore. Those three are the, the heads. So, yep, did that and just kind of walked off. Killer Cross and Moose are sitting there looking like they don't know what happened. Johnny's sitting in the ring, kind of like, "What the hell?" He said, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, he did too. He's like. Taya kind of just got up. She quit selling and kind of got in the ring. Like, what's going on? And then it kind of abruptly shut off. Yeah. It's very bizarre. It leads to what everybody walked away talking about here, Pasty. Out of all the fucking wild and wacky shit on here, everybody, everybody is talking about this. Every news outlet, every YouTube channel... Every podcast, Hell, everything TMZ that talks has been covering portions of this. They have, they have. They've been talking to, they talked to um, Austin Aries and Johnny Impact. That's kind of how this whole thing got started with Aries being called short and Aries calling Taya Husky. Chunky? Uh, one of the one of the two. And didn't he say something about how Johnny Impact looked gay or something like that? Yeah, he, his, uh, his queer, his queer pants. Mm-hmm. Which, the point Austin Aries was making was actually completely valid. And he never did actually say that Taya was husky. And he never said Johnny was... Yeah, but how is it not okay to say those things, but it's okay to make fun of his height? Yeah, and he implied those Mm. things. He did imply those things. And I mean, uh, in a PC America, if we're going to be a PC about as many things as we are, you gotta gotta be PC about everything. And and short people are usually really angry. So don't make fun of them. If you uh, must if, be one I mean, of those South Pole elves. And if you're going to call it, you know, if you're going to call it even, if you're going to call it what it is, a person can't help how tall or short they are. Right. But you can help how husky you are or what kind of pants you mm-hmm. wear. So, but that's neither here nor there. Um, this was good. When I first watched it, I completely bought into it as a shoot. I was like, something's really fucked up. What's going on? You know, after I sat down and thought about it, and after I've, I've kind of read some things and looked at it, I'm pretty sure it's a, a worked shoot. I don't know. What if A-Double's going back to the WWE? Then he's 205 bound, baby. Uh, I think after he left the last time and... and it, everything he's accomplished and coming back, I think think he'd at least go to NXT and sit there for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot could happen. They're keeping it pretty... Everybody's selling it, at least. Um, Aries hasn't said anything about it at all. Yeah, it's been he hasn't pretty fucking co- radio silent. Yep. Um, 
a lot of a lot of Impact wrestlers have talked about it, and they all kind of say fuck Austin Aries. Uh, I don't like Austin Aries. What Austin Aries said, they they almost seem too rehearsed. Almost like when you're talking to a WWE person about Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. they all are kind of given the same answer, which kind of makes me again lean more towards the work. Um, from reports I've read that have no like, I, there's nothing to verify them or anything. I have heard that it was supposed to be a, a shoot, but that nobody in the back was told about it, and they were all worked until afterwards. Um, it is confirmed that Austin Aries did not leave the building right away. He hung out for the next few hours, as everybody else did, and they tore everything down, and he left around the time everybody else left. So he didn't just storm out. Um, all I gotta say is... If this is a work, they're doing it right. Yeah. I think they're doing it right. I think they got what they wanted out of it. Everybody's talking mm-hmm. about it. And that's the um, thing I've been talking about with WWE and their writing. Like, the psychology is different now. Now that every casual fan knows what's going on on the inside, know how knows how things go, to use a no-sell and the shit like that as a storyline plot, it's genius. Because it's the only way... To get it past the people. Yeah, but it does... Uh, you bringing that up brings up the biggest point is that you're telling everybody who watches your stuff... You're breaking the fourth wall. Well, yeah. Which is something... But there is no fourth say, wall hey, anymore anyway because of the internet. So really, you I, should use that to your advantage to create new psychology. I would, ag- I would agree. TV shows break the fourth wall and that used to be a big no-no and now it happens all the oh, time. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I agree, but that is a big argument is you're, you're going out there and saying, be invested in this match, be invested for 21 minutes of this match. But then at the end, we're going to say, well, it was all for nothing. But for me, as the fan with the knowledge I have, it's not all for nothing. I was entertained for 21 minutes. Even if after every match, they just got up, shook each (laughs) other's hand, took a bow, people threw flowers on stage and then the curtain came down. I could say I was entertained through that match. So, um, if it's not a work, I'm going to be very disappointed in Austin Aries because this is, if that's not a work and it's a shoot, super unprofessional. Um, should never well, happen. Well, I mean, if he did stick around and help tear down. <laughs> He's a good man. If he stuck around and tear down, it, it's obviously a work. <laughs> Otherwise, I think somebody's what if it was a shoot? shoot what if it was a him. shoot? And somebody caught him backstage and they're like, hey, man, I know you don't like it here. I know you want to be out of here, but you got to calm down. Let's go tear down this ring, burn off some steam. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would just be awesome. Okay, man. Fucking, just, fucking old. I need a banana. Old. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could see old James Ellsworth just coming up to him and being like, dude, it's not as bad. All right, trust me. It's not as bad as you think. Right. Did you see my segment? <laughs> exactly. Um, so all in all, what did you, as a total, as a whole, what did you think of this Bound for Delivery? I liked that it. it was fun. Nice little three-hour pay-per-view. Not too much. Easy to watch. It was fun all the way through. Yeah, it was a hardcore fest there towards the end, but I liked it. Yeah, 
I, I can't help but compare it to Slammiverse. Well, yeah. You're always going to compare feel, it to the last pay-per-view. And I feel Slammiversary was, had better matches. They're they were more they focused. Had, that was a wrestling mm-hmm. show. And I think this was a Throw everything at the wall. Show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for an entertainment show, and to get people talking, at the end of Slammiversary... The people that watched it were like, yay, that was a really awesome... I, I think we all said, I mean, we talked about it. it. was a great pay-per-view. And then by, you know, Thursday... Well, we were probably recording Thursday. But within a week, it's like, okay, it's over, it's done. This this Bound for Glory is going to be being talked about now for at least a oh, month yeah. or so. TMZ is going to be doing more stuff about it. All of the news outlets are going to be And good stuff for Impact it. for getting their shit on TMZ. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure Vince moved and- to block it. You know what I mean? Right. TMZ's really been on both um, Impact Wrestling and WWE's dicks lately, mm-hmm. though. Like, they're really, like, kayfabing. Like, they go out there and they break real news about these celebrities, and then they come out and they <laughs> kayfabe for, like, oh, did you hear about uh, Nikki Bella and Ronda Rousey? And, oh, did you hear about Johnny Impact and Austin Aries talking about each other? And it's like, I think, man, TMZ is just having fun it's all fake even the celebrity (laughs) stuff it's all fake it is it is Uh, i do want to say before we move on from this another smart thing for impact right now johnny impact is a big name um he's out there with uh he's got the um survivor tv show yeah he's an actor he's he's so he's in he's on tv on on broadcast tv every week where millions of people are watching him a lot more than watch this. It's super smart to have him be your face of the company right I now. I want to see Johnny Impact versus Finn Balor in an ab versus ab match. God, two of the best bodies in in wrestling. I would I would so go for a gay sandwich. They can with them too. they can I totally would just be the lumpy peanut peel butter. my baked potato between their abs anytime they want to. Damn right. <laughs> and you know, the fact that he's on these TV shows, it isn't like a um you know, throw some schmo who half-ass wrestles but is is on a wrestling TV show. This is one of their best talents you have, and he's also right. on TV, so it's, it's perfect. He's like you a reverse Miz, and I very much see yeah. Miz in him to a sense. Well, ironically, they came, they started together. Miz and Morrison. Remember Miz and yeah, Morrison? I, I guess you could say started, but it was Mercury and I mean, Nitro he, with he started uh, with, with what's M- face. Eminem. Yeah, yeah, Melina. Melina yeah. Eminem, but he started like I think when Miz started, that's who he first was with. I Didn't believe. he marry Melina for a little while? Very well, could have. I don't know. Uh, Ty is better. And oh, I do want to say this too, and then we can move on from this because we've taken up a lot of time. Yes, we have. Um, this week on Impact Wrestling, Johnny comes out and talks about how he's going to be the champion they deserve, not like the other guy. Whatever says all this stuff, and he was like. He's like, you know, people always try to tell me, you know, they they try to stop me. You can't do what you want to do. It's never going to work out. You can't be champion. He's like, they told me I couldn't make my own movie. And now Boone the Bounty Hunter is on Netflix. (laughs) And everybody cheered for that. And then he's like, and even when I walk into Dollar General and see it in the dollar bin, I still smile and I'm proud because I made it. (laughs) And I just love that he called himself out for having a fucking dollar movie. Which is still better than I have, right. so, I mean, yay. I just, yeah, I thought it was cool that he called himself out on that. He didn't try to upsell it, like Miz always upsells. I'm a main event movie <laughs> star, and 
Johnny Nitro's like, yeah, I made my own movie that's in the dollar bin at Dollar General. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Woo! Lot to get in here yet, Pasty. Holy, Holy shit, my friend. It was friend. fun. Yes. Return of the top ten, Pasty. Yes, it's A terrifying bad. top ten. We got the, our top ten hollow wrestlers, if you will, folks. These are these are the top ten people that when you look at them, you think Halloween. Or when Halloween comes around, you think of these guys. They're the ones that, that haunt you dreams and pin your faces. I mean, like, your baby faces, not like... <laughs> not, not like Hellraiser. No. <laughs> Which is cool, too. I Hell yeah. I want them to reboot that franchise. That's what I want. <coughs> All right, Pacey. You're like, I'm not touching that here. with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Start us off here, Pacey. Our top 10 hollow wrestlers. That's right, folks. B-Sticks Podcast brings to you the top 10s. And eventually, we're going to bring you a top 10 of our top 10s. Just wait for it. Top 10, top 10. Yes. So meta. But for now, coming in at number 10, the one, the only, Mankind. And this Mankind is not a very kind man, folks. No. From the uh, skits of him in the boiler room with smoke going, where he's rocking and pulling out his hair... To the segments where he's talking about being a poor kid, being forced to eat worms. To the man going off the top of a hell in a cell and then going through it and having a, a tooth go through his nose. I mean, this is just one freaky fuck. And continuing the match. Yeah. This man cannot be put down by anything but pepper spray. <laughs> And Stephanie this McMahon, she can put him down pretty fucking well. Oh, she, she puts him down all the time. <laughs> this is a man who has a terrifying mask, but yet when you unmask him, looks scarier and more grotesque. Right. Um, what can we say other than you couldn't have a top ten list without Mankind on it? No, seriously, we looked at a lot of top ten lists and they all had Mankind <laughs> on them. Exactly. <laughs> what do we got Next. Coming in at number nine, Vampiro. You know, you got a Halloween list, you gotta have a vampire on Yes, it, you do. And Vampiro is a well-known hardcore wrestler. And he definitely rolls around with a hardcore crowd of horror fanatics, as he has spent time in ICP's JCW Wrestling. And folks, if you want to, if you want to see the most horrifying stuff ever, just go and listen to his commentary at Triple Mania. <laughs> that is as horrifying as it gets. Watch as a middle-aged man attempts to figure out how a Twitch stream really works. Cower in fear as he goes and breaks the fourth wall and breaks kayfabe, talking his mind. On camera. Sit in anticipation as he keeps asking, Where's my music? into a live mic <laughs> instead of jumping into the ring <laughs> on cue. 
Because you need music to attack somebody at random, right? The best part was was when uh, Josh Matthews tried to explain it to us listening at home. Folks, he's calling for his music so that the people here in the arena know why he is coming to the ring. It's like, what, what the fuck, dude? He's in the ring calling him out. He's in the ring calling him out. That's why he goes to the ring, because he's being called out. <laughs> that was a debacle. Folks, you got to watch it. I- I'm going to re- repost it on our Facebook page so it starts at the top. But this, this triple mania was a triple dud. But, yeah. Yeah, you got to check it out. That- it's... Wow, some of the most unprofessional announce work I've ever seen in my life. Some of, no, definitely the most unprofessional announce work I've ever seen in my life. From quite a professional, surprisingly. You know, he he announces well. I've listened to his announcing all the time. He he was just, something was up that I honestly don't think we'll be seeing him again anytime soon. Probably not. Well, let's move on from that debacle. What do we got up next? Coming in at number eight, La Parka. Yes, folks, call him L.A. Park, call him La Parka, call him Park in La La Land. We have a vampire, we have a troglodyte. This guy is a walking, living, breathing skeleton. If you, you gotta have a skeleton on your right, list, I mean, you hang up skeletons every skeleton. Halloween. It only makes sense. Spooky, scary skeletons. Yes. Plus, he was the chairman of WCW, folks. Don't forget the chairman of WCW. And quite a dancer. Quite a dancer. I mean, gotta rattle them bones. Exactly. Coming in at seven. Coming in at number seven. The demon, Finn Balor. Couldn't really put Finn Balor on the list. No, no, Finn Balor doesn't deserve to be on the list. But the demon strikes fear into the hearts of his foes. Plus that one time he painted his face like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, I remember that time. (laughs) Thank God that fucking match didn't happen. If I could, if I had the ability, and if I had the means... When I went trick-or-treating every year, I would walk up to people's houses as Finn Balor's entrance. With the music, with the the lights, with the... The smoke machine. Yeah, I, I would do it. It is a it is a very... It's an awesome entrance, but it, it is very... I don't know about creepy, but it just throws you back into, into like... Like you're in some kind of horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, his his movements definitely demonic, monster-like, and inhuman. <laughs> and if we're just gonna go back and in, in, in you know the man's full history and body of work, what screams Halloween more than cosplaying and painting as some of your favorite heroes and villains? Exactly, and he, he's been, been known for that. all of them. <laughs> Tap, tap, typey, type. Tapping and typing. What do we got next? Uh, 
Coming in at number six. I'm the boogeyman, and I'm gonna get ya. We're not talking about that burlap sack and tried to give Jack Skellington hell. No, we're no. not. Granted, this boogeyman is just as full of bugs. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so, on his own accord. I mean, as soon as we started talking about the top ten hollow wrestlers, I'm like, ah, boogeyman. I don't even think there was a thought for a second that he might be off the list. Right. Yeah, very sad. I feel like, I think, when I started rewatching wrestling, or at least WWE, I had quit for almost a decade, not quite, but around between uh, 2001 to 2007, I had quit watching. And when I came back in, I feel like Boogeyman was on WWE when I started, just kind of started getting back into it, and then he was gone just as soon as I got there. And I thought he was cool. I dug his look. He's a big dude. He was okay in the ring. And I was super disappointed that... And I've never really gone back and watched more of his stuff, to be honest. I think the thing that is most sad is that WWE still keeps him around as, like, a, a sideshow. He's never on the show, but he's always at the arena painted up. He is a sideshow. Yeah. No, I love the Boogeyman. One of my favorite early teenage years superstars eating the worms biting that growth off of Beth Phoenix's face that was badass did you even see that nope no idea you don't remember when Beth Phoenix debuted and she had some like weird like fucking growth on her face I'm pretty sure that was what I wasn't watching because man I'm gonna have to go back and YouTube that shit yeah you are he bites it off and chews it up and you can tell it's just like a gummy prosthetic but so was she supposed to like not be a wrestler at that yeah, time yeah it was when what? she first came in I mean she was a wrestler like her first promos they only showed part of her face really Beth yeah. Phoenix yeah wow mm-hmm. wow this I didn't know none of this about Beth Phoenix I think Phoenix. the name might have been different from Beth Phoenix in the beginning I can't say 100% for sure but yeah, that definitely happened. And she had a growth. And this went on for a couple of months, probably, before she wound up in the ring with Boogeyman. And he bit it off wow. of her face. No, That's okay. I missed all of Natalia's farts. Nah, you're not missing nothing, man. That almost made it on the list, folks. <laughs> man, you're not going to miss the next guy when he comes to the ring, folks. No, definitely not. Who's coming in at number five? Leatherface. This son of a bitch. Famous in, in Japanese wrestling, all over the circuits there. Star, MFW, DDT, um, all over there. I, I don't know that he ever wrestled in the United States. If he did, it was small uh, indies. But man, it was a complete uh, Leatherface gimmick mm-hmm. from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He came down, dressed the same. He had the Leatherface mask. Came down with a with a working chainsaw that would spit sparks, and he would come down through the ring like so much Roman Reigns. But this motherfucker's swinging a chainsaw, going. Rum, 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 rum. <laughs> they would they would jump out of their seats. Jump out of their seats. It was awesome. Yes. And we had to include one of the actual horror-themed wrestlers in this list, but only one. And Leatherface was that man. We can only have one. 
And thank heavens for the loose uh, copyright laws over there in Japan. <laughs> right, right. They get away with quite a bit. There is, there is a good match, I believe, in FMW with um, Cactus Jack, who uh, didn't make our list, but, you know, wink, wink. And Leatherface team up um, in a tag team match that's uh, barbed wire and and all that shit. Um, God, really, really hardcore, really crazy, really fun match. Try to find that. Hit up your Google machine and just put, like, Cactus Jack, Leatherface, FMW, folks. It, it's fun. You'll enjoy yourself. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, there's no fucking ankle locks and, and, and you know, collar and elbow tie-ups here. So, Fat Mac, are you ready to break all the rules? Break the rules now! Coming in at number four, the entire Wyatt family. Ah, that's cheating. Is it, though? It is, but it, it but it's worth it. It is worth it. They deserve it. The, the whole... And, I mean, do you guys really want two of these spots taken up? by Wyatt family members? I don't think so. We gotta give you the variety in the so. top ten. And you know, Bray isn't as creepy without the cult. Right. You know what I mean? That really, that really happens. Mm-hmm. Gives them some power, you know? He's the voice. They're the bidding. Shit gets done. Or should've. Should've. And then Eric <laughs> Rowan and Luke Harper, um, the, the ma- Eric Rowan's masks were always creepy just to begin mm. with. And then you got uh, the, the Bludgeon Brothers going forward. They were just evil. And you got Braun Strowman with his weird-ass masks and, and giving people hands. And what, what can you say? It was a fucking terrifying bunch. I want Braun as a um, super baby face to walk around with like a basket full of foam hands and give them to people. Get these hands! <laughs> It sells itself. It sells itself. It really does. And let's not forget how scary it was to see babyface Daniel Bryan in the Wyatts because nobody had any idea what to do Great. with them. And and he was getting so far over, they tried their best to bury the shit out of him and it still didn't work. Watching him walk around in a boiler room fucking cover house. Yeah, that was pretty sad. And then they did the same thing with Randy fucking Orton. Yeah. But he didn't have to wear the coveralls, no. at least. Uh, oh. Yes, the cult leader and his family make number four on our list. And you had to see it coming. I don't care well, who you are. Bray Wyatt is one of the best on-the-mic personalities in WWE today. He may have fallen off. The pairing him with Matt Hardy was definitely a mistake. Yeah, but you could, I mean, you you, would, you didn't know until it right. happened. They, they seemed like they would fit perfect together. See, and I, I still got this thought. I mean, Tamina just came back this week, and she jumped shows. I think they got Wyatt off. I think Rowan's out. I think when Wyatt comes back, he's teaming up with the Bludgeon Brothers again at the very least. Maybe not Strowman, because Strowman's definitely strong off on his own. But how would you like to see, you know, Bray Wyatt 3.0 with the Bludgeon Brothers? That would be fantastic. No, No, I think it could only help all three of them. Wyatt has 
is not going up right. anywhere. And else. the Bludgeon Brothers he's, have he's already gained legitimacy pinnacle. on their own. Yeah. Could be a good time. Coming in at number three. Sue Young. The undead bride herself. Yes, scary bitch she is. You know, she had to make the list. Had to. No matter what, but especially after Sunday's crazy ass horror movie. Man alive, could she not? And she deserves a number three spot. This woman owns this character. Man, Impact should take this concept and, like, try to make a whole movie with it. It'd be better than the Marine. <laughs> You're damn right it would be. And her, uh, her really nasty, bloody glove with her mandible claw, her undead bridesmaids. I mean, she's just... This gimmick is great. She's great. The perform—I mean, she she sells. Mm, she's this, terrifying. Her performance is what makes it work. Her I movements. Love I love the the head movements and. Yep. And thank you, Sue Young, for being as creepy and scary as you are, so that we could have a female on this list. It'd be so easy to make a top ten without having a female on it, because as few female wrestlers as there are compared to male, there's even that many less that are kind of you know this kind of eerie, creepy gimmick. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking sweet. And when we started putting together the list, she got brought up and it was automatic. And for her to crack the top three is is pretty awesome. Yes, folks, for the first time ever in a Beef Sticks top ten list, the woman got the top three spot in the Hollow Wrestlers on this date in October. One time only. <laughs> well, then, coming in at number two, another one we've brought up tonight multiple times. The one and only, Mr. Impact Hall of Fame, Impact Original, Abyss. The Monster Abyss. Man, this guy, you have to have, he, he was going to make the list. There was no doubt about it. Yeah, 100%. And this is the point where I got to point out, it's pretty funny. We've got Mankind Abyss and Leatherface all on the same list, and they're basically kind of the same thing. <laughs> Should have just grouped yeah, them all together all... into one. <laughs> <laughs> all leather-masked individuals. We could, do, we could do a top ten of leather-masked <laughs> wrestlers, and we'd still and we'd still have a top ten list. But yeah, Abyss. Not only is he, he he's been so creepy. He can do the funny. He's he's got the look. But out of everybody on this list, other than mankind, he he's also the scariest actual wrestler yeah. between thumbtacks and the the barbed wire and the fire and the light tubes and the, the man will do anything. I mean, the man got teeth knocked out of the front of his mouth and refuses to have them replaced. He didn't. He didn't put his teeth in for the Hall of Fame ceremony. I was kind of surprised <laughs> about that. He he's got to be him. He's got to be him. Speech. 
It really surprised me he didn't put his teeth in for that. I, I was really surprised. I thought that was odd. He's a really good talker for somebody who's missing those two teeth. He is, yeah. He doesn't have a lisp or nothing like Very that. Very slightly. Yeah. No, the man's great, and with him being a, a brand new Hall of Famer, definitely deserves the number two spot, the monster. Yes, congratulations. And coming in at number one, can you guess? Do you know? Is it that damn obvious? Because I think it is. It's Triple H! He buried them all! <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's as scary as they come because he's buried more bodies in fucking wrestling than Oh, yeah. Has. But no, it's no, not it's Triple not. H. Sorry, folks. And we're cheating again, folks. It's the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker, and Kane. With Paul Bear as yes. man. You just have to have Undertaker, please don't bury me in cement. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cliche, but you couldn't. We, you and I talked about it, and there's just no way you couldn't have at least Undertaker as number one in the the, the team of Undertaker and Kane. The brother, they're the brothers of yeah. destruction. And I mean, they've got the legacy. You couldn't have Undertaker without Kane. Or at least having Kane on the list. Seeing as Kane is the only one of these wrestlers who's actually starred in a legitimate horror movie. That is true. That is very true. One I indeed saw in theaters. I'm sorry. See to hear no that. evil. Jacob, <laughs> good night. Yeah, I mean, what more can you say of the legacy of The Undertaker? From the first time. He arrived, and thank heavens they didn't have him come out of that egg, which which is rumored that was supposed to be his entrance, <laughs> the gobbledygooker egg. From the first time you've seen him, he was terrified. How do you tie that into The Undertaker, though? That's my question. Oh, like, man. how do you work that? <laughs> well, it's an egg! And then The Undertaker comes out! What do you mean, how does that work? Things come out of eggs. We gotta debut the under. Are you saying we shouldn't debut the Undertaker? <laughs> then we're putting them in an egg. <laughs> um, God, talk about talk about a poor time for a Guerrero or Hector Guerrero as the Goblin. It's <laughs> a Guerrero legacy, right there. That's that's who was in that suit the whole time. That was Hector Guerrero. Uh -huh. Um, no, but uh, yeah, Undertaker, he, he creeped people out with the urn and the smoke and the fake lightning if you weren't in the live attendance. The kidnapping and he attempted to... sacrifice of Vince McMahon's <laughs> daughter. Hanging Big Boss Man, uh, Buried Alive, Boiler Room Matches, Casket Throwing matches. Mankind oh. off the top of the Hell in the Cell twice. Throw... Throwing fireballs. Um, you got Kane with the pyrotechnics and being burnt alive and fucking Katie. Or no, Triple H fucked Katie. Who, who fucked Katie Vick? That wasn't in my. I, that was when I wasn't watching. The, that was the necrophilia thing. That was Kane. Kane did mm -hmm. fuck Katie Vick? Yeah, so there you go. He fucked Katie Vick. And now he's uh, the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. And he's going to support Saudi Arabia. <laughs> 
Congratulations, America. Kane and Undertaker are supporting Saudi Arabia in these dark times. Right there puts him number one on the list of scary motherfuckers. Yeah, it's it's so cliche, but we, we had to do it. They deserve it. Whether it's cliche or not, they deserved it. They've earned it. You deserve it. You deserve it. That's the B-Stick salute to you, Brothers of Destruction. So, folks, let us know what you think of this top ten list. Let us know who you would put in there. You can always uh, write in in the comments below. Otherwise, we are going to post this up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash beefstickspodcast. Feel free to share it with your friends. You'll find a very beautifully done up graphic. Definitely share, comment, argue, debate. Talk about how we're shills for putting the Brothers of Destruction on there. Talk about how horrible it is that we didn't have your favorite horror wrestling. Give us your top ten. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah, who would you take out? Who would you put in? Who did we miss? Who did we completely forget about that you knew had to be on there? We'll come back next week and tell you how we intended on putting them on there. Or had them mentioned at one point. Moving on, because we got to wrap things up. I do want to touch on the last or the second round of the May Young Classic. Um, was completed last week and I just want to go down who won, what we got coming up and then we're going to get into the sizzle of the steak after All that. Right. So in round two we've seen Tony Storm defeat Lady Godzilla Hiroyo Matsuato, Matsumato with a reverse jackknife. Um, Tony Storm is super over right now. The fans are all behind her. I was a huge Lady Godzilla fan. I was hoping to see her go farther, but when she, I seen she was up against Tony Storm, I knew she wasn't. Uh, big ol' Rhea Ripley took out the youngest contestant, Casey Catanzaro, by pinfall. Poor Casey is gone. Lacey Lane defeated Tayanara Konshi with her crucifix bomb. Tayanara was the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Lacey Lane is the BAMF. Then we see Mako Satamora continue dominating and keeping her lineage alive by ta- by taking out Mercedes Martinez, who is also a veteran. Um, she hit her with with one of her vicious scorpion kicks again. This match was really really good. I recommend going out of your way to watch this one. Io Shirai, who is definitely a favorite to win this, defeated Zushis. After her double knees in the corner, followed by her patented moonsault, which she kind of overshot on this one, but she does it so beautiful in the air, I don't give a shit where she lands. Next, Diana Perrazzo defeated Jai Lee by submission with her Fujiwara armbar. It was a pretty decent match, worked over the arm like she should have. And I was surprised to see Tegan Knox defeat Nicole Matthews by pin with her shiniest wizard. Nicole Matthew was, all, was also a front runner to possibly win this, a veteran in her own right who has held many titles. If you want to know more about her, go back and listen, I believe, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we kind of introduced everybody. Um, so that's what it is. Coming up, we got the uh, quarterfinals pasty. Quarterfinals are going to see Mako Satomura taking on Lacey Lane, two big heavy hitters. We got fan favorite Tony Storm taking on Mac favorite Mia Yim. I just love Mia mm-hmm. Yim. 
She is just awesome. We had... Oh, I don't have that on there. Anyways, um, for some reason I missed that. Mia Yim defeated uh, WWE former Diva Champion Caitlyn in an actually pretty good match. Mia Yim's hand was still bruised up from the uh, match before when she had busted it on the on the uh, ring post. Caitlyn worked her hand over, but the Blasian succeeded. I'm so happy that Mia Yim is in NXT now. I think the Blasian is going to go far in NXT. But she has two strikes against her with Vince McMahon with being both black and Asian. She definitely isn't going to do right. anything on the stay, roster. Stay in NXT. <laughs> uh, Tegan Knox will take on Rhea Ripley. And what is sure to be a fantastic, amazing, badass match, Io Shirai will take on Deanna Perrazzo. That one is going to be a can't-miss match. That is your quarterfinals for the May Young Classic, folks. I do want to say, though, this week, the first match of the, or the first week of the quarterfinals aired. I just want to say one thing. The match where Tegan Knox gets injured within a match with Rhea Ripley aired this week. Knox revealed that she had suffered a dislocated kneecap, tore both her MCL and LCL. She also completely tore her ACL and both meniscuses. Finally, Knox suffered bone contusions and a second fracture on her left tibia. Folks, last year she was not able to be in the Mae Young Classic because she injured her knee right before, like like in, I believe it was in the training mm-hmm. area, the, the the NXT training area there. PC, the performance center, that's what it is. This is her other knee, her good knee. Now she is blowing out that one. She ended up doing a dive over the top ropes, and she just... It, it actually doesn't even look that like that bad of a landing, but man, she just landed just a little bit not right, and um, really fucked it up. Knox posted on Twitter, she said, Well, that happened. I may be out for a while, but I cannot thank my friends and families for everything they've done for the past few weeks and all the kind words I've received. It genuinely warms my heart and gives me that extra fire to come back even better. Uh, watch this match. The woman does not give up. The woman fights so hard. She puts her soul out there. It really is heartbreaking to it's watch. It's gonna hurt like a bitch. But you will not... You will walk away with so much respect for this woman. I recommend... If you don't watch any other match in the whole Mae Young Classic, watch this. It's... It's like three minutes long. It's not long. She gets injured like the third, fourth move. She continues on for a while and, um... I'm not going to say anything more, but go out of your way to watch it. It's super short. It's definitely not a 15-minute blockbuster or nothing like that. Go watch it, folks. She deserves that much. Tegan Knox deserves it. You think she'll be back next year? I hope like hell. I hope like hell she comes back next year, and if she does, I hope she stays injury-free and wins the whole fucking thing. I mean, that is your comeback story. That You can sell that story. Actually, you sell the story where she gets all the way to the finals and loses to a heel. And then gets injured again. Then you still... <laughs> well, you could fake an injury, but I hope she... I do not want her to what get injured again. What if it's fake again. this time? But I feel like you could sign, you could sign both I'm of saying, them and then you have gimmick. just a great work. But, um... So no, that would be great. I would love to see that. Oh... I know I ran through that quickly, but we got a lot of good news to talk about. Or, or real news. Big news kinds of news pasty the newsiest news a little bit of sizzle for your steak here on beef sticks in your mouth 
So we did get some breaking news that came out today. Coming from SEScoops.com, they're reporting that Chris Jericho and Jim Ross have been working with renowned agent Barry Bloom to put together a new wrestling promotion. Barry Bloom has been in the pro wrestling business forever. He is a, uh, a lawyer, for lack of a better term. JR's WWE contract is set to expire soon, but he reportedly declined an offer to sign a new deal. They haven't used him Ross well has been... or enough. Well, thank heavens they didn't put him on the uh, May Young Classic this year. I, I, I do want to <laughs> say that uh, Michael Cole, uh, Beth Phoenix, and Renee Young are doing an awesome job oh, on bet. the May Young Classic. Very enjoyable. I've always thought Michael, Michael Cole, Cole was better than best. JR. Unpopular opinion. Um, Ross has been sending out feelers to talents in WWE, apparently, while Jericho is said to be handling the New Japan side. The project is set to be financed by Sheer Khan of the Jungle Book. Right. <laughs> Sheer... No, oh, sorry, not Sheer Khan. Shahid Khan. I, I misread that, folks. <laughs> and this is some shady shit right. there, JR. You never trust a snake. <laughs> Sheer Khan was the tiger. fuck. Oh, well. Ka was a snake, so close. Yeah, um, it's in there. Shahid <laughs> Khan owns the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars and is one of the wealthiest men in the world, apparently. Shahid's son, Tony, has been has been hands-on with this project, allegedly, as he's a big pro wrestling fan. The company is moving ahead with the idea that the promotion will likely take significant financial losses for the first couple of years. That's smart because it is going to. That's just how business works. Allegedly, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page are said to be on board. And according to this report, this project is what they've been alluding to when they've been talking about, quote, sticking together when they make their next move. If you've noticed, they've been putting out tweets with, this is our last Bullet Club shirt that we're ever going to have. Yeah, they all individually posted the same tweet generically. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a work. <clears throat> no, they're WWE <laughs> bound, my friend. Exactly. Because otherwise they would never try to sell more <laughs> merchandise. The timeline to launch the promotion is apparently late 2019 or early 2020, which seems really yeah. soon if you ask me. Yeah, Vince needs longer to and, get the XFL up and running. And, and Axis, which airs New Japan World right now on their... Um, channel was named in the SE Scoops report as working to secure a deal with them, but Axis issued the following statement to Wrestling Inc. denying that they're involved with the project saying, just quote, there's no truth to the Axis TV component, unquote. A lot to digest here, Pasty. I mean, we're going to try to go at it somewhat quickly, but let's talk about this because this potentially big news, but as of right now is all literally just hearsay and yeah. rumor. Yeah, very much so. And it's not even something I've read on SE Scoops. It's something I've read on a site that said they read it on SE Scoops. <laughs> it is on SE Scoops, okay. by the way. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brian. Um, well, go ahead and give us your. Tell, tell us. Tell us. I think if it's a legitimate thing, it's super awesome and it's going to be great for the world of professional wrestling. Um, I mean, obviously. The Bullet Club and Chris Jericho have came together on other situations, uh, including his cruise of Jericho on the oceans of wrestling. 
The Rock and Wrestling. The Cruise of Jericho on the Oceans of Wrestling. That's what I said. <laughs> that is. What that you is. Said. And I. Fuck. Man. I wonder almost if Chris Jericho was a silent partner in All In. You know, we talked on this show alone that, you know, there were rumors of people, you know, these guys not putting their own money into it and people backing mm-hmm. them. Allegedly Ring of Honor was <laughs> part of it. Could have also been other people. Could have been Jericho. All I know, this is, obviously... this is pretty fucking huge. And I'm sure if this is a legitimate thing, Vince is pretty angry right about now. This has the potential to be huge. Let's not forget many other uh, big-name people have tried to start up wrestling promotions and you know it it could flop as much as it could go i'm gonna say the names involved at least with chris jericho and jim ross sounds good the fact that they got somebody with money to burn i mean that's that's how Jarrett got tna which is now impact running uh uh, impact wrestling (laughs) impact running you know (laughs) him and him and jerry Jarrett, his father started impact wrestling tna and they were going downhill quick until Panda Energy from uh, Dixie Carter and the Carter family picked it up. And they had money to throw at it. Um, as far as the Barry Bloom thing, again, Barry Bloom is a lawyer who's worked with many uh, wrestlers and, and on contracts and stuff. So I suppose he knows the legal end of things. I, I don't know other than the fact that he's a well-known name, what he brings to the table. Um, could be really good. Could be, maybe not. Chris Jericho definitely has an amazing mind for wrestling, at least for himself. Jim Ross has been known to be a big part of a lot of dealings in the Attitude Era. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting yeah. to see. I mean, as of now, at least one thing that was specifically stated, which was the Axis TV thing, has been completely called false. Now, again, Access TV may actually be doing this and is just covering themselves because it's too early. But it does kind of take a little bit away that there's already been one of the directly named entities on here calling BS on that. Their own part. They don't say any of the rest of it is. And the fact that Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page have really been selling that they're, quote, leaving New Japan really leads me... I'm pretty sure they're re-signing. I don't think they're going anywhere. But who's to say they couldn't wrestle for New Japan and this Right, promotion? yeah. I'd assume a lot of the That's indies the would thing. be open to it. And if this was a legitimate thing, a lot of the underused talent on WWE would probably jump ship to join this. A lot, yeah. A lot of them have, probably have relationships with Jericho and Ross. Well, probably not a lot of the underused ones, but the older guys do. I think it could be good. It would be very interesting. You know, and not that they'd go head-to-head with WWE, but it'll be nice to see Chris Jericho promotion going to war with WWE. In a sense. Well, he's not... Yeah, they're they're not going to war. But you know me. One more major wrestling uh, place on the market that gets their content out there and gives more wrestlers a place to shine... I'm backing 100%. Oh, yeah. I'm more than happy for it. Even if it turns out to be something that I'm not interested in and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this isn't for me, I'm still super happy. I um, think it could be a thing, man. 
All In brought in a lot of money. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling is going to bring in a lot of money. It is. Still not sold out yet, though. No. He's still got a few cabins left. Very limited supply. Go to, what is it, JerichoCruise.com. Get your packages yeah, today. Like uh, I'm going to very quickly go through some uh, signings that are coming up. Um, former Knockouts champion Chelsea Green, who really made a good show for herself yes, at All indeed. In. She is signed to NXT. I'm so yep, happy she's I'm signed to NXT. I'm pretty friggin' happy for her, too. That is very cool. She's, um, and she's going to be joining her. She's the one I picked, uh, isn't not she? Joining. I'm pretty sure. Yes, awesome. yes, she is. Um, she's going to be joining her husband. Woo, 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 Zack Ryder. Hopefully she gets more success than he's ever had. Um, also, according to recent reports from PW Insider, Sammy Callahan has come to new terms with Impact Wrestling and is going to be working multiple dates for him yet. Impact Wrestling contracts will still allow him to continue to be on um, multiple shows. As of now, he's one of the only, if not the only, wrestler who appears three times a week regularly on MLW Wrestling, Lucha Underground, and Impact Wrestling. Now there's the hardest working man in professional wrestling today. You gall darn right. Also popular independent wrestler Jordan Grace, who is also at um, Mm -hmm. All In. And was the only female in the all-in over-budget battle royal. Self-proclaimed Thick Mama Pump has apparently signed a two-year deal with Impact TV. So they're moving on, moving forward. Last week, news broke that Impact TV pasty was being moved from Thursday nights, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, everybody out there in... Uh, Internet world, remind me again that ratings don't matter. Ratings don't matter. Yep. I mean, for Uh, the kind of crowd that they're trying to draw with Impact, a 10 p.m. start time might not be the worst thing in the world for them. Yeah, but it's not as good as an 8. They're they're definitely going to lose viewership. Uh, As a result of this, though, Impact hired former WWE executive Andrew Whitaker to help manage the PR fallout of the story because it's never good when you take a hit, especially since um, they're being replaced with Gilmore Girl reruns. Oh, no. Their lead-in is Gilmore Girl reruns. (laughs) Not a good look, which which is sad because this company um, uh, creatively and in-ring is doing everything right, but they are doing very poor financially right now so well, I mean hopefully shit works out the for arena for bound for glory kind of stated that I mean they yeah. sold well but it definitely wasn't a large space to begin with and we got rumors out here from Dave Meltzer saying that New Japan has their eyes on Luke Gallows Carl Anderson and the US champ Shinsuke Nakamura It's believed that all three signed three-year deals with WWE back in 2016, so they will be coming up for renewal. However, it's mostly expected that they will all stay with WWE. I don't know, man. I could see Gallows and Anderson to go back to Japan real easy. They had a lot of fun over there. I think I. I mean, they're they're always they're definitely going to do better. They can't do worse. 
They could join the OG, the BC OG. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I could see them to go back. Especially if the Elite does leave New Japan. You know... What if Anderson joined the BCOGs because he was an OG, but Gallows, they, he ends up turning on Gallows. There you He's go. Got a good Hell yeah. Right there. <laughs> they both go to join and then Anderson jumps them. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Uh, we're getting late here. I'm going to, I do want to talk about this. It's kind of nitpicky, but uh, the fact that most WWE wrestlers won't speak up for themselves. It's actually kind of big news that some WWE women have been expressing their frustrations of the evolution lack of creative storylines and meaning by posting pics of themselves looking very displeased. Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Lana, Carmella, Mandy Rose, and Naomi have all publicly made themselves known with Naomi even putting words to her disgusting, disgusted pic tweeting, so, when I win this historic battle royal like I did at WrestleMania, will I get two championship opportunities? Because y'all never shipped my trophy, nor did I get a title opportunity. It's crazy, man. Damn. Superstars in general are coming out a lot at WWE on social media. Uh, over this battle royal, like, come on, it's an all-women's pay-per-view. You, you can't do something better for women than that. And then, to top that off, the... The superstar backlash about 2K19 and how <laughs> horrible their character sprites can be. Yeah, and this, well, that's one thing because that's just talking about 2K and right. doesn't really affect WWE. But this, these women have more balls than the men. You don't, you rarely ever hear somebody speak up. Any, I mean, look at the two people who have talked about Saudi Arabia, JBL and, and Orton. They both suck the dick of the prince while talking about it. Um, these women are standing up for what they believe. They're letting it known. And especially... I'm going to laugh when Vince cancels the Battle Royale, pulls all of them from the pay-per-view, <laughs> and then still does Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. Right. Well, and you think about some of these names that are in the Battle Royal. Carmella, the very first women's Money in the Bank winner. Naomi, who has been getting a big push. She's a former champion. Asuka who's a former champion, supposed to be a big name, first Women's Royal Rumble winner. These are big names that you couldn't find something for them to do. Right. No, instead you gotta bring in Trish and Lita and fill your fucking current women's revolution event with nostalgia acts that nobody, nobody wants. And you know, again... I'm going to bring it up and sound nitpicky. When people talk about ratings don't matter, it's pretty ironic that as the ratings have been plummeting, we're seeing more and more quote-unquote legends come back. We've got Undertaker. We've got Triple H. Kurt Angle just came back. we got Lita. We've got Trish. we got Vince McMahon showing up and Shane McMahon showing up. Hey, let's up. not forget my and lady Tori Wilson's going to be there. Tori, Tori Wilson, the big show came back. They're pulling out... <laughs> They do. They get and the ratings, the ratings fall further down. when they do this shit. But they think it helps. They're they're nerd. They're scared. They're trying to throw everything mm. at it. I I love when people say, "Oh, WWE doesn't care about the ratings." Bullshit. They care. Oh fuck, we still got a bit to talk about. I want to talk about the legal issues here with uh, Charlotte 
a man named Ricky Paul Johnson. And by the way, any man whose name is Ricky and it's spelled R-I-K-I, just fucking I have no time for you. <laughs> you were named by a ref. Right. <laughs> Ricky Paul Johnson has filed a lawsuit for defamation against his former wife, Charlotte Flair. The couple were married between 2010 and 2011. Johnson alleges that comments made by Flair in her book, Second Nature, that she put out with her father, Rick Flair, are untrue and have had negative impact on him and his family. The lawsuit alleges that Flair's book states Johnson is sterile, a claim which he denies. And by the way, Pasty, he has had three kids since they divorced. <laughs> so I think he can back yeah. that one up. Uh, John- Johnson also claims in the book that the book contains multiple false allegations, physical and or psychological abuse. He is also disputing parts of the book stating that he lost two jobs due to illicit drug use. The lawsuit is seeking $5 million for damages. The lawsuit contends that Johnson was made to look bad in order to showcase Flair as, quote, a victim who overcame personal adversity and domestic abuse. Well, I mean, if she's the second nature, shouldn't she be, like, womanizing men? You know what I mean? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, she probably did. She probably abused the shit out of him. I did. My favorite part though is that she claimed he was sterile in the book, and the man's had three kids. Right? Who's him. sterile? Well, I think you are. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe you're barren. Just gonna put that out there, Charlotte von Raschke. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I just came up. Uh, poor Kevin Owens pasty underwent surgery on both of his knees this week. The former Universal Champion tweeted a photo yesterday of his be- of both his knees wrapped up and he had, had the caption. Um, they had a two-for-one sale going at the surgery store. That wasn't yesterday, that was Wednesday. I typed this up yesterday. It's unclear exactly when Owens was injured, but he was working through knee pain prior to WWE announcing that he was hurt during his match against Bobby Lashley last week on Raw, which is why he was written off television by Lashley turning heel and attacking his knee after the match. Yeah. Poor Poor Kevin Owens. Although, conspiracy here, Pasty, the man has been working injured, and he just now took time off for the knees, right? He wasn't just recently injured. He's been working injured, now he took the time off to Mm -hmm. do the surgery. Seems kind of ironic that he decided to take this time off when uh, his close buddy is going to be staying home and not going to the big Saudi right. Arabia it's show. Right, it's a me too. He's standing with his friend. Or sitting. He's going to sit because He's probably have not few, standing have on those legs too much. <laughs> yeah, which, by, by the way, folks, Sami Zayn is injured, so he wouldn't be able right. to go anyways, but last last time he uh, he decided, he said he wasn't going to go, and I'm pretty sure he wouldn't this time either, so. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, also, I see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn leaving WWE for Chris Jericho's promotion if it's a real thing. Or another well, promotion. I mean, well, Kevin Owens isn't going anywhere. Not for Jericho's, not for anyone. You don't think I so? Mean, he's been I ad- think he's good he's friends with Jericho, though, that he's, And I think he'd probably... He... Well, he... I don't know if they're good friends. They've just met in WWE when they did a thing. I'm sure they still but stay in touch. He, That's all I'm saying. I'm sure they do, but he has publicly stated that he is a WWE fan, not a wrestling fan. He is a WWE sports entertainer. His whole life, it's what he wanted to do. And all he wants to do is make money for his wife and kids, and he doesn't care if he's doing nothing or if he's the main eventing. He seems to be very opposite of his character when he does interviews. He seems to be, from anything he said, and he could be working people, but he seems to just be in love with being in WWE and that's perfectly fine 
I don't see Owens going anywhere. I could see Sammy leaving, though. You don't think they go together? Or maybe Sammy leaves and Owens follows shortly there later? No, because they can't give him the money. All Owens wants is the money. I don't think so. It could happen, but I, I personally don't see it. And we're going to have to end this on some sad note. Wrestling legend Dirty Dick Slater has passed away at 67 years old. Pasty. Ironically, not from an STD. With, you know, his name being right, Dirty right. Dick and all. Slater wrestled professionally from 72 to 96. Quite a span there. He finished up his career wrestling in WCW, but throughout his run in the territory system, Slater won numerous NWA championships. He's a four-time Georgia heavyweight champion, two-time NWA Macon heavyweight champion, an NWA US champion, an NWA Mid-Atlantic champion, two-time NWA TV champion, two-time NWA Florida heavyweight champion, and a former NWA Brass Knuckles champion. Jeez, enough. Slater... Slater and Dusty Rhodes were a team briefly also, and they had won the NWA Florida Tag Team Championships once as well. Slater would win the same tag titles along with three other partners. Their tag team was called Dick Dream. The Dick Dream. (laughs) Let me tell you something, baby. I got the Dick Dream for you, baby. Well, Pacey, a little long on this one, but we still cut it pretty good. not, Not bad at all. And speaking of dick dreams, once again, check out our big floppy PP, Nate Zarambo, a.k.a. Procrastinate of Procrastinator Podcast. Once more, that's P-R-O-C-R-A-S-T-I-N-8-R. I've been Pasty White. And I'm still Fat Mac. And we'll always be beefing sticks with podcasts. That was awkward. I know.